It's good to be with you again, church family. It was also good to be with the North Region pastors last week as we went through, began in Matthew chapter 7, and we're back at it this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you just heard the passage beginning in verse 7, go ahead and and turn to it. You know, I've been a part of a few uh, intentional small groups um, in the past, men's groups, where in the outset of our time together, we all take turns and we, we share our stories with one another. It's always been been powerful to participate in this, to to hear how fellow disciples, how they make sense of their own journeys. And in order to be in relationship with one another, we, we, we have to be able to, to tell pieces of our story. It's how we interact with one another. A, li- a life story does not just communicate events. It also says why events along the way were important. What they mean for who the person is, and who the person will become. What has happened in life and and how we make sense of it goes a long way in informing what will happen later in our lives. The question that I'm pondering this morning is what it is exactly that, that tells us who we are as people. And we can gain insight into this question, I believe, if we look at at how we construct and tell our own life story. And I'm thinking about this because in this great Sermon on the Mount, which is in no way ordinary, I believe this is what Jesus is is trying to help us understand that precisely what it is that tells us who we are as people. Let's look at what Jesus has taught us thus far. Does our story include a lot of attempts at accumulating things? In other words, are we storing up treasures on earth where where moth and rust, moths and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal? And if so, it's likely that our stuff says a lot about who we are as people. Or does anxiety abound in our lives? Are we are we wound up a lot of the time in, in fear over over what may happen to us or or those that we love? And if we are, now remember we are likely spending most of our time thinking of ourselves and and thinking of our own circumstances and dealings, leaving very little time to be thinking of the other person. Or are we spending a great deal of time judging and, and condemning one another? One thing I've learned about the need I feel to judge and condemn is that it has a lot to do with with my need to to control another person, to to get them to be the kind of person I think they need to be. In in other words, I'm attempting to help control and define who they are as people. Now, to let God be the judge is to relinquish from my life my need to control another person in this way. Instead, we are to let go and entrust them and in turn ourselves into God's care. So we come to today's passage. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you for Everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, 
If your son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So if I'm not wound up in anxiety or or spending all of my time storing up earthly treasure, if I'm not constantly evaluating and correcting your behavior, your life story, if I'm not doing those things, then and only then am I freed up to entrust my life and everything about it to God. And perhaps then it can be that God tells me who I am as a person. Jesus' teachings in this great sermon, they really can take root and help define our lives. Dallas Willard said that in this sermon, Jesus is defining for us what it is the good life looks like. So as we, as we each process and, and tell our own life stories, inevitably, we, you know, we encounter conflict and we must process it and tell of it. Every story has conflict or, or it's a boring story. God's answer to that conflict is the story that belongs to so many of us gathered here around our devices. We were introduced to Jesus somewhere along the way. We were, we were told that he is the good shepherd, that, that he loves us and, and will never leave us, that, that he will not hold against us our sin, that, that he'll forgive us and make us whole, make us new. And the church, at its best teaches us that this is who we are. That you're a person whom whom God loves, that you cannot do anything to make God love you less or more. God's love for us defines us. God's love tells us who and whose we are. We who are evil know to give our own children good things. How much more will God give us good things whom he loves? But for a moment, put yourself in the sandals of the average hearer of the Sermon on the Mount. It it would have been hard to hear Jesus say that God will give good things to God's children. Remember, their reality was that they were totally beholden to Roman authority, that This Roman authority that exercised dominance over them daily. Roman authority that could kill them lawfully at any moment. I cannot relate to that. I have never feared for my life. Not really. I've never been threatened with poverty. I have never known physical hunger. I have never lived in perpetual fear of annihilation by armed soldiers. But for Jesus to claim that God hears us and gives good things, well, to believe that required a ton of faith for Jesus' audience. I've been reminded in the past couple of weeks that, that there are people who live with and among us who also find it hard to believe based on their experience in the world that God gives good things to God's children. Now, I don't ever want my words to bring up 
or to cause division. The gospel of Jesus Christ brings people together. But sometimes healing requires discomfort. And we have some work to do. My white brothers and sisters, we have work to do. In verse 12, Jesus says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. What tells us who we are as people? Well, how we treat one another says an awful lot about it. And if I'm listening closely, I will hear that there are those among me today, that there are those around us today who are hurting. Jesus often told stories about hurt, about danger. A shepherd had a hundred sheep. One got away. One was lost and lost and in grave danger without the protection of the flock, without the protection of the shepherd. So the shepherd leaves the flock and retrieves the one sheep. The the shepherd in doing so did not declare the 99 unimportant or expendable. The 99 were not in danger, but the one was. And the one was worthy of being retrieved. Another time Jesus told of a man left on the side of the road. He was beaten and left for dead. Two religious leaders passed and and did not tend to him in his time of need. His supposed enemy, a, a Samaritan, came by and did not notice him. And he stopped to care for him. He went to great lengths to care for him in his time of need. If we know that Jesus has truly come into our lives and made us new, and if we entrust everything into God's care, then we are freed up to believe that God will give good things, that God will give the best things, that God will take such good care of us because because God is with us and God is for us and God is unto us. If, If this truth is what defines who we are, then, now now hear me, we are free to hear the people in our lives who are hurting, who are truly in need. We are free to actually hear our black brothers and sisters, to really hear them and, and to try to respond to them. Now, now, maybe you're tuning me out when I specify our black Sisters and brothers, I hope not. I I can't control that. But as I have been cared for in my life, I am called to the hurt that I see in front of me, and I'm calling us all to it as well. I was pulled over on the interstate uh, in Alabama recently, last week. I, I was going too fast, which I try very hard not to do. But I did, and I got caught. And as I sat on the side of the interstate and, and waited for the officer to, to come to my window, I, I reflected for a moment, in that moment, on George Floyd's death. Now, I believe that the majority of police officers are intent upon protecting and serving in an appropriate manner. And of course, all lives matter. The kingdom is available for anybody. It's available for everybody. And yes, people kill people every day. Our world is so broken. 
George Floyd's murder is on video, and he was killed by a person with a badge, an authority figure. And that renders a different kind of fear, a fear that Jesus' audience would have understood. Jesus understood this about his audience, and what his audience feared ultimately killed Jesus. And his life testified to helping these marginalized folks to understand that God was with them, for them, and unto them. That's what Jesus did. The officer that pulled me over was a a black man. And still, my conditioning, my life experiences, it led me to only, and I mean this, only be concerned in that moment about whether or not I would be on the hook to pay a speeding ticket, which I absolutely deserved. And as I drove away, and I did indeed get a citation, I imagined what it would be like for that citation to have been among the least of my concerns. I want to understand better what that would be like. I I want to continue to educate myself about, about what it is like to be marginalized in our world today. As I think about my life and and the story that I'm telling about my life, there there are so many examples of times that that I've gotten off track, that I've lost my way. And I've always had people to to help guide me back. Always. I, I have you for that, church. And I need you. We need each other. But the kingdom is for everybody. We all need people who will fight for us, people who will see us, who will, who will come and find us, who will help nurse us back to health. Jesus said, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Pastor and professor, the late Fred Craddock wrote, When I was in my late teens, I wanted to be a preacher. When I was in my late 20s, I wanted to be a good preacher. And now that I am older, I want more than anything else to be a Christian. To live simply, to love generously, to speak truthfully, to serve faithfully, and to leave everything else to God. I resonate with Dr. Craddock. I want to be a Christian. And that is my story. And I'm sticking to it. Now, go tell your story. How we live is how we tell our story.